Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine's food editor, Stephanie March, and local foodie from Stephanie's Dish, Stephanie Hansen. No food. It's all about food, fun, food, frivolity, and food. Talking about everything happening at the Minnesota State Fair, it's podcast on a stick. Here's the Stephanie's. Hi, this is Podcast on a Stick, and we are here at Blue Barn at the Minnesota State Fair. Day four, people, day four. Located West End, south of History and Heritage Center. They're open every day at 7. The new items that they have this year are the breakfast potato skins, the Nashville hot chicken on a stick, which is fantastic, and the country rosé spritzer, and the very, very frozen hard seltzer, which I had yesterday, which was fantastic. Chef Jeff, welcome. Hi. Podcast on a Stick. Love it. Okay, so how has it been going? I mean, quite honestly, we're on day four here. We're walking into, it's a Sunday, and I got to tell you, so we're sitting here at 10, 15 in the morning. There are lines like crazy. And what do you feel when you see that? Um, it's pretty normal. I've been here for you, a few years. So been doing this. Saturday, Sunday morning, you can expect these lines at 9 o'clock, uh, if not a little bit before. Okay. So. Saturday and Sunday are the big days, yeah. right? That's what we're talking about. Okay. So, but I mean, specifically, you guys put a breakfast item on your menu. Is that logistically to pull more people? Is it because the people are already here? Um, so we open at 7, and we, as a company, Blue Plate, do a lot of breakfast. So yeah, that's true. Our, our tilt is to, to usually run two breakfast items every year. Okay. So. I think that's smart. Uh, yeah. And we, we talked about that there's a lot of breakfast in the West End, so it's kind of becoming sort of the breakfasty spot because Lulu's got a good breakfast entree, Nordic Waffles, you guys. Yep, and uh, Nordic opened an hour early, so they take a little bit of our line, but not much. Um, yeah, they do breakfast, great breakfast as well, but uh, it is. It's it's We're right at that bus drop-off. So. I think that's it. Like you are, you, this people walk in and it's, you know, from that bus drop-off and a lot of kid, people are doing the park and ride then that means that this is the first shot that they hit. So yep. why wouldn't you, right? Yep. Smart. What does it take to get ready for this? I mean, it's such a beast. It's like having a whole nother restaurant in a period of 12 days with a lot of new staffers. Yep. Like, how long does it take you to get everybody ready? Well, you're right. I mean, when I talk to people and they ask me what I do, I say I'm a corporate chef for Blue Plate. I have eight, no, I mean nine restaurants. I consider this a restaurant. We plan all year long. So as soon as the fair's done, the whole team takes a little bit of a break, about a month or so, and then we start talking again for the next year. So, you know, by January-ish, I already kind of know what I'm doing for new menu items. Um, and then I'm already planning new orders for ordering stuff ahead of time. Like my potato skins, I ordered them from the East Coast six months ago and uh, had them shipped here and, and stored. So it's an all-year-round kind of thing. Because you're always thinking. Because you're always, you know, it's always about innovation and coming to the table with something kind of new and different. Yes. Like this year, the Chislik. Like, how did that happen? That had to be you. No, I didn't <laughs> even know what Chislik was. About, you know, <laughs> the, the research trip that happened. But. Yeah, there, there are research trips. But uh, needless to say, at the end of the day, we found this wonderful uh, South Dakota bar staple called Chislik. It's it's deep fried steak cubes yeah. marinated. Um, and I love them. Um, so I, I just thought steak and eggs, perfect. Did and, you really, was it like a moment where you're like, were you looking for a fair food or were you, did you find it and you were like, this would be a fair food? I found it and I said, you that's the fair food. That's, that's boom, a component done. of the fair food. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And what has been your biggest seller so far? Oh, by far the, uh, the Nashville I was really surprised steak. that that wasn't a new it's food because it's insane. just delicious. Yep. Yep. I mean, an official new food, you're yes. saying. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right. Not an official new food. The the potato skins were. But um, 
you know, we kind of experienced that last year with our tater tots. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, usually the underdog is, is the one that's not on the list. Yeah. And do you think Nashville Chicken will be back next year? Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be back next year. Because you have, like, once you do something well, people want to keep coming back for it. So yep. does your menu just keep getting larger, or do you drop something off? Nope, things definitely drop off, and it, it's it's always a hard decision. Like, this year it was really hard to say goodbye to the uh, the, the meatball smorgas. Yeah, I it was, was a meatball really smorgas. Sad to, I liked that dish. It was really sad to see it go, yeah. but it was a lot of work. Uh, it took a lot of time to put together and that chicken takes a little bit of time as well yeah, so you, you got to balance you got to take all the, some of the all the parts right you got to feel like okay well the, the space this takes the kitchens you know like the cooler space the production time and balance that and pick something else to go yeah we're doing everything from scratch so it's i mean it, it literally is rolling meatballs and you know making the raw mix and 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 marinating the raw chicken so there's there's time there's there's prep work that happens here and off-site so yeah. It's All right. Crazy. What when you're not eating at Blue Barn, what are you eating at the fair? You know what? I was gonna ask you guys where I can find a salad. I need you can't a salad. Find a salad. <laughs> there's no salad. No salads. I um, think you can find salad. I yeah, don't know. There's gotta be something we fresh around. We need to around. hit with some veg. Yeah. This is well. Here's the deal. I'll bring you some kombucha later from oh. uh, product exchange. <laughs> my, my tummy would love you. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna. I have decided that on day four, <laughs> I might be uh, a kombucha mule. There's tabbouleh at Holy Land. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Close. Yeah, that's do. kinda gonna feel a little yep, fresh. Yep, yeah. Yep. But yeah, it is hard to find leafy <laughs> I mean in my immediate area, it's it's we're all carb heavy. We've got waffles and we've got other fried stuff at Lulu's. You Lulu know what the red hot at Tejas this year is like little sausages and then like corn and bean succotash and there's like a few arugula leaves. Okay. So I feel right. like you. I feel like that was a that so was an effort. There's a little salad there's to be something. had. It's like a meat salad. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Well, thank you for being on the podcast with us, Chef Jeff. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and I'm here with Stephanie March, and we are recording a State Fair story for the Podcast on a Stick podcast, which is the official State Fair podcast, as far as we know, because we were the ones who started it, and we're in season two. We've decided. We're here with Gina Carver from J. Carver Distillery, and we are here at the brand new Minnesota Distillers Guild. Gina, what is happening here? We're up in the north end. We're behind the hangar. What are you guys doing? Because it's kind of confusing because people are wondering, are they selling cocktails? Exactly. We aren't selling cocktails, but we are very excited. First time ever that the Minnesota Distillers Guild has been at the fair. And we're in that new North End by the Hangar building. So come visit us. What we're doing is selling passports. So, so many of the listeners know of the brewery passports, the winery passports. And so this is a collaborative effort with all of the 19 distilleries in our Minnesota Distillers Guild. And for $5, everybody's giving an offer because what we want you to do is come visit us at our local cocktail rooms and really see the collaboration and what we're distilling with a lot of the Minnesota agriculture. So that's why we've been so thankful to the Minnesota State Fair for really bringing us in and highlighting all that we're doing with local corn, rye, wheat, and really explaining that to the consumers when they're coming to visit us here. You know, the hardest part is that pre-prohibition, right, their farmers were making whiskeys out of their fields and in their barns, and there was a lot of distilling happening, like, you know, in sort of like Sandy County, they talk about it as like that was, there was back road distilling happening, moonshining, if you will. 
But nonetheless, in in the days before you know all the regulation, you could you could be a farmer and you could make your own whiskeys. And that's why so many of us you'll hear us say like at J. Carver Distillery, we're proud to say we're the first legal distillery right. in Carver <laughs> County. Right. Nice. <laughs> but truly, you're right, yeah. Steph. I mean, that was it. You corn know, they, product. Corn there was product. product. Yep. And so why not? You know, make a little hooch on the side, and then they would share it among farmers. Yep. And so I think that it's kind of one of those things. Like if we take that, I'm so glad that we have switched from this whole, you know liquor as a vice thing to liquor as an agricultural product because that's really what it is. And so many uh, when people have been coming in to visit actually I think it's been eye-opening for a lot of the visitors to the Minnesota Distiller Guild booth to say oh my gosh I mean so many people are even using local botanicals you know and then just taking it one step further having farmers that are growing the basil and the mint for us as we're making all of these delicious craft cocktails in our cocktail rooms and having them come visit just saying how excited they are to see that we're even highlighting what they're doing from that whole farm to bottle, grain to glass approach to distilling. Okay, so you are a Minnesota maker. You've been doing this for a while, and this is your first year here. What has been the most surprising thing that you've learned from the fair goers that have come and visited you? I think the most um, eye-opening is that people didn't realize that there wasn't, like, spirits allowed at the fair. Right. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, my gosh, that's right, but we're having the local wine and the local beer. So that's why we're so grateful to be here just to even highlight what we're doing. To represent. And represent because as As you say, we've been making now for five years, so we really have been in our infancy stage in Minnesota, and with you two always supporting, you know, the distillery. Oh, that's so nice. And and, and it's cool, but that's the part is the number of people that didn't realize that was eye-opening even for us. The other part that was surprising is to have people not really realize how many of us are distilling with the farmers right in our backyard and that collaboration, and they're so great. They love the stories. Yeah, that's and the maker's story is what people want to hear. They want to come and they want to experience and hear from you, the distillers, like what that story is. And really from the standpoint, right? So, so many people, when you think of distillation or spirits, you just go straight to vodka. Because, of course, people are like, well, that's the (laughs) easy one. Why not? Yeah. And then to be able to explain that of the 19 distilleries across the state, how diversified we all are. Yeah. You know, like so many. Many are making vodka, but then others are making really cool liqueurs, you know, Michelle making her moonshine, Mama's moonshine yep, with yep. the local honey. Um, I think that's just, and what what impact we're having for the state and the gratitude that people have for that, right? It is, this is the thing. There's a couple things to learn, I think, from the State Fair. One, it is a collection of small businesses. Two, it, for is, sure. a, it is an agricultural moment, and it ha- it highlights the fact that we, as it's here in the city, in my mind, to help ag- like highlight the fact that we are an agricultural state. We, t- we tend to get away from that in the cities because we like to be urban and cool, and we like to think of ourselves as this sort of New York-y thing. But quite honestly, uh, Minnesota has so much to owe to agriculture, and this is a way that agriculture can build business in a different way than just farming for food, which we all know is fraught with so much, you know, there's so much complexity in the in the agricultural space right now that why not make a business that has a beautiful tradition and is is wanted is needed and what we love is now to even see all the local brewers that have been visiting the booth and 
really grateful to the fact that we're educating so many people on taking brewery to the next level. And grain to glass. And grain to glass. And then even like the cideries, right? Yeah. Just even the fact that so many, um, those of us that are making apple brandy or grape brandy, you know, like Rolf Fat Damp Fork is using all local grapes. We're using all local apples at Jay Carver. So just that whole agritourism. It is. It and is. I think that that's the thing too. You know, we, you come to Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, how did you like that? Minnesota. Minnesota. I just Minnesota. got myself to say that. And then people say, geez, I could go with it. And then I just said, geez, seriously? Yeah, crazy. And or then geez. you have people go within and to see yeah. a true like farm to table distillation and really encompass what we're doing here. You're right, Steph. It's it's really, and I think that there's something to say about framing it up so that it is really supporting not just the liquor distilleries, but also the farms and also the whole economy. You're creating business. You've created an entirely new business line and ge- an income generator for many people. And the great thing too, for those that have visited, of course, we can't not talk about our local Cooperages, yeah. you know, Minnesota Oak. And then the fact that we've got the three Cooperages here and they were so great. So Black Swan. What's and a cooperage for the people Atlas. that maybe don't know? Yep. Um, so we have three cooperages in Minnesota. They are the wonderful people that make the barrels. And barrels are in high demand. High demand. Um, so many of them are. So Atlas Barrel, um, Barrel Mill, and Black Swan. Black Swan. And what they're doing is really taking that next step of small business and that collaboration that we're doing together. So a cooperage is who makes the barrel. Yeah. And so if it's a toasted barrel, that's where you see us making our brandies. So brandies, fruit-based, right? Whiskey, grain-based. And so if it's a toasted barrel, that's where we're aging our brandy. And then if it's whiskey, that's where we're using our toasted barrel and making charred barrel and aging our whiskey in that. One quick question. So when we first started coming, when I first started coming to the fair, there was only 3-2 beer. And then I recall Summit was allowed in as the first strong beer. And now we have this very robust craft beer, craft, craft wine movement. How far away do you think it is from us being able to have craft cocktails at the Minnesota State Fair? You know, we've been so grateful to the State Fair really talking it through with us and just saying come in keep on telling your story because there is the passion of Minnesota wanting to support us not sure how many years out but the fact that we're invited here that's just yeah, the gratitude step one. this is that we're we're grateful yeah gratitude times a million so and your booth is soon. fantastic looking it's right behind the hangar you can get the Minnesota distillery passports are only five bucks and just to give you an idea I've got uh, 19 distilleries here all the way from Faribault to Duluth and there are offers in here so with Jay Carver you get a tour and a tasting flight far north you get a two-for-one I'm just quickly going through my five dollar book here Panther distilleries it's a Buy one, get one free. V-Cray, buy one, get one free. Twin Spirits, Hattersall, all the rest. I want to know, though, so you guys have been a distillery, and we've, you know, we've known, you know, Jake Carver's been around for a while. There's new ones coming. What has it meant to have this new Distillers Guild formed for you? You know, this is the this is the great thing. I think the camaraderie that we've actually seen at the fair has been amazing. Um, the Distillers Guild, a lot of it, it has been to let everybody know the collaboration that we're doing together to get the word out. Definitely the marketing, the yeah. events. Um, much of it has been like legislation and talking through the fact that the distilleries are even in existence yeah, right now within right. the last you know seven years. It's been great to really bounce ideas 
ideas off of each other and then to support one another because it is that agritourism. It's been it's been great. And even from a national scale, um, we've had a lot of people calling us right now and yeah. saying, hey, what are you guys doing in Minnesota? You've only been around for about five years and you guys are rocking it. And I think a lot of it is just working hand in hand to make sure that we all like rise together. Yeah. All right, it is Gina Carver. What is your actual role with Minnesota Distillers Guild? I am the vice president of the Distillers Guild. Okay. So I've been from the beginning. Um, Mark, Mark Schiller. Mark Schiller right from behind you. Loonshine has been all oh, around the fair. Who? Uh, we've been here since here, like, 6 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. Mark, say hi to the to the group at the uh, pod. Oh, what's up, pod? This <laughs> is Mark, president of the Minnesota Distillers Guild. Good to have you guys here. Thank Pop you. How, how, just from your position here, how has this been going over? I know we're on day three. Are we on day three? Day three, stuff. How has it been in day three? Oh, my goodness. We are crushing it. The weather <laughs> has been just It's amazing. fantastic. We've yeah. had like three record attendance days. Yeah, it's been pretty phenomenal. Everybody wants to be out at the fair, and we were planning on like, oh, maybe we could make back our money. No, we're going to be able to push a lot more money towards marketing our guild, towards legislation. I mean, this is this is definitely the most profitable thing that we've ever done. For oh, I'm guild. so glad. Yeah, we're so happy. Yeah. Seriously, props to the fair for supporting us. I mean, they've been amazing. So stay tuned, people, because there will be a Minnesota Craft Spirits event. Stay tuned, people. Yeah. All right. Nice. Thanks, Thanks for guys. being on the pod. Honestly, we appreciate it. Congratulations and good luck. Thank you. All right. Them for sponsoring the podcast. We really appreciate it. That's how we've been able to give you these great state fair stories. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the things that seem to be. There's something about the numbers of the state fair. We're obsessed. We're obsessed. <laughs> it's actually part of the main page of the state fair website. When you go to the website, it's like, Food finder, concerts, you know, and then it's attendance. It's a big thing. Everybody likes to beat the previous day's record. But it's like we're all in this, like, it's weird because the more people who come, the harder it is to do all the things or see all the things you want to see and do. And then you're kind of (laughs) like... You never want to do anything alone, though. Like, who wants to go eat at a restaurant that no one's in? Who wants to go to a movie that no one's seen? But, I mean, and I love the vibe, for sure. But I'm just saying it's funny because I, myself, am cheering it on. Yeah, I'm like, let's beat it. Let's beat it. (laughs) And so every day this year, so far, we have beaten the record. And so I think, but I just want to ask you a question. Do you have any idea how much, how many people? Okay, so we know that last year we crushed the 2 million mark. Yes. As for full attendance of every single day, all together. 2 million times people visited the fair. Because it's like us. We were here a lot. So we counted for at least 12 of those. Okay. And we counted for 12 of those this year, too. Um, But let's talk about uh, what do you think that the Iowa State Fair, because there's two other state fairs that get a lot of notoriety, And the Iowa State Fair is one that all the politicians visit because, obviously, the Iowa caucus. During an election year. So this year is going to be bigger, probably. Okay, so I think think that um, I think that uh, eight hundred and fifty-six thousand people went to the Iowa State Fair. No, well, let's just say in twenty fifteen there was one million one hundred seventeen thousand, and this year they uh, crushed the record of one million one hundred thirty thousand. 260. So they basically had, so they're basically, their attendance is 1 million. Uh, oh, shoot. I just lost the number. That's okay. Anyway, so we're almost twice as big. We're twice as big. We're twice as many people come to this state fair. Which explains why Bernie Sanders came through yesterday. How about well, that? I mean, if you're in the Midwest anyway, if you think about it, and you're running for president, why wouldn't you, you know, 
and Why Amy Klobuchar you? has been here. I think those are the only candidates that we've seen so far. It is the only candidate. Yeah, the, they are the only candidate. Well, Mayor Pete, no, you're right. He, he, he's there not was talk that he was going to be here. There is a booth here for him, but he's not here. Yeah, uh, their Steph- total, by the way, was one million, just to get the total, it was 1,170,375. Highest day was their uh, day 10 at 119,000. I mean, we had 133,000 on opening By 9 a.m. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. Okay, what were you going to ask? I was just going to ask you, when we saw Bernie Sanders yesterday at the State Fair, was there anything about him that surprised you? We saw him for five seconds, I know, but I was surprised how, first of all, he was like this little old man in this mass of people. Yeah. And I was just surprised how kind of small he was. Oh. Like physically, he was just little. Yeah. And I was not expecting that. And I wasn't expecting like the huge crowds of people that were crowding around him walking with the Bernie signs. It was like a scene. It was. I mean, that is a thing. And he, uh, somebody on Twitter, actually somebody on my, sent me a message saying, isn't it weird how all the politicians are in like full dress pants and dress suits? (laughs) And like, how is he not roasting hot? He's in like uh, you know, he's in like an Oxford and a pair of dress pants and shoes. And I was like, yeah, man, I hear you. That's Amy a Klobuchar was wearing a tank top under a little like light shirt. She had, she was state fair ready. She had like travel khakis on and tennis shoes. Okay, Girl travel khakis. knew what she was doing. <laughs> That's a new a new term I haven't heard before. Travel, travel khakis. khakis. Travel khakis. Okay. I love it. I want to come back to attendance for a second. Please. Tell me about, uh, do you know, so... Thursday, we set a record. We had 133,000 people here. Okay. Yesterday, Friday, or no, Friday, we did set a record, too. 157,000 people here. We're still waiting on the note on the numbers for Saturday. But I will tell you, last year, Saturday was a monster day. Last year, Saturday was 222,000. Ooh, I don't know if we can break that. I don't that. know if we're going to beat that because there was a Vikings game also. I do think, though, we could break that on this Sunday. So, because there's already people here. It's Today, a great breezy day. The weather is a factor, people. The weather is a factor. There's supposed to be rain tonight, so I don't know. Okay, I yeah, don't know. and it's I a Sunday know. night, so the people Sundays won't. historically last year was only was only Sunday last year was 184,000. Okay. So it's already going to be. I mean, we're for sure going to be up, but we're not going to. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just telling you that last year that Saturday was an all-time record of all. You know, an all-time. Um, we are looking at the big number. The big number we want to hit next Saturday, the final Saturday of the fair. 270,000. Oh, that is so many people. That's so many freaking people. You guys, Love that's, it. A, that's more than a quarter million people here. Yeah, that's fantastic. That. So that's what we're looking at. Also, just to give you a tip, Monday and Tuesday, 124,000 ish. Okay. So, like, if you're thinking that that so 200 number we're is have a, a leisurely freak show. Day. <laughs> Think of Monday, Tuesdays. I happen to love a Monday, Tuesday at the fair. There's okay. a lot you can do. I'm going to give you some numbers. Let's Are you ready? It. By the numbers. How many cookies can Sweet Martha's produce in one day? One day. Okay, I got to think about this because those buckets are probably, there's probably like 25 to 30 cookies in a bucket. Mm-hmm. But most people get the cones. Um, which probably is about 15 to 20, maybe 15. I'm acting as if I can actually compute this on a level that is normal. I'm going to say a million. Three million. Oh, my God. A day. Three million a day. And I have to say, someone stopped me yesterday that saw me walking, and she reached into her purse and held up her Ziploc bag. Amazing. Instead, I gave mine away. As I was walking through the fair with this bucket that I knew was going to topple cookies, a gentleman next to me made a joke about if he was walking with me, what if he just reached in? And I said, can you please? take like three of these he was so aghast he was like no no i was only kidding i'm like no but honestly they're either gonna be on the ground or in your stomach so why don't you just take I three totally eat i 
ate somebody's mini donut. He was standing at the beginning of the ballpark cafe and he had a whole bucket. He goes, I can't eat these. Anyone? Anyone? I can't eat these. And I was like, oh, I'm in. And I took two mini donuts. He's like, thank you. I was like, I'm here for you, pal. Okay, you pointed out something, speaking of the Sweet Martha's cookies, that just every time I walk by it, it makes me laugh. We were at RC's and we were walking and it's right by the Sweet Martha's booth. And you said, look down. And there's all these like greasy circles on the ground. And it goes on for like about a block and a half. If you've been to New York, you know what gum looks like on a sidewalk, right? Except it's bigger and it's worse because it's, They're a, cookies. it's a cookie graveyard. And it's a cookie like, graveyard. We've all walked on the dead souls of Martha's cookies. They're like all over the and over cookies again. that have fallen out of the buckets that have been mashed into the ground. And they're just greasy spots. I and they go all the way up to, like, right about Blue Barn and yeah. the Sky Ride. I, I got to think that there is um, people probably step in more cookie, dead cookie death, body carnage than they do, like, horse poop. Oh, for sure. Like, horse sure. poop they're aware, and they're like, whoa, whoa, I horse almost dodged poop. it. I'm like, you just stepped in cookie, though. Like, cookie body. Dead cookie tar- carnage. Cat- <laughs> cadaver. Cookie <laughs> cadaver. Okay. How many years of corn do you think the corn roast booth goes through? I knew that one, 250000 something like that. You're exactly right almost because yeah, it's 25000 a day. Yeah, we wrote, a, we wrote an article about that, okay. I think. So I knew that one. That's good. All right. He was saying that it's about a quarter million years of corn, you know, roughly, that, he'll, that he has to plan for. Here's a weird one. Okay. How many pounds of ketchup do you think they go through at the French fry booth? At the French fry booth? Yep, ketchup, Ooh. pounds of ketchup. Because, you know, everybody gets... 300. 200, or excuse me... 25,000 pounds of ketchup. Because you know everybody gets their ketchup or their bucket and then they just push their ketchup right into the bucket? I do not. My french fry technique is malted vinegar. Oh, yum. That sounds good. All over it. Malted vinegar and then salt. And I need more salt. Do you have a preference on ball... I might go get french fries after this. I know. I was just thinking... (laughs) Maybe we should go get french fries after this. Do you have a preference on ballpark fries or... Um, Listen, you have to commit if you're going to get ball, ballpark fries is not like a, uh, I'm going to get some fries and walk. Ballpark fries are so garlicky and so much a commitment. You have to know what the rest of your day is like if you're going to sit with some ballpark fries. Can't breathe on which people. I might do today as well. Let's do onion rings. Then you don't have to stink. But onion rings are just fun. <laughs> but they're they're really not. Good so there. this is funny. I was walking on the other side of the food building and I was behind this family who was, um, you know, I think they were Indian, um, you know, and uh, and they, uh, she, you know, they had the saris and all the rest. And she said, this woman, she goes, it smells like, it smells like grandma's rice. <laughs> she goes, the garlic <laughs> rice. And I was like, she was looking around for an Indian food place. And I was like, no, it's the garlic fries from Ballpark. Like, it wafts. That's funny. I knew it, I knew it because I smelled it and I thought the same thing. And except I didn't think Indian rice, but I thought of garlic right away. That's That's funny. funny. I know. Okay, so what is your pick for today and your pick for tomorrow? Ooh, and I need to tell you about you wanted me to try something new yesterday that I've never eaten before. What did you try that was new? So my new thing yesterday was, here's the thing. We all know that one of my absolute favorite things is the, the, um, I'm sorry, the Pretzel House Pretzel. Okay. Okay. Not... The Pretzel Factory Pretzel, let's be very, very clear. It has to be Pretzel House Pretzel. It's by the Sheep Barn, right? The line, after I picked up Jakey from Produce Exchange, the line for the Pretzel House snaked like in this <laughs> giant snaky thing, and we all sat there laughing about how we were waiting in line for salty dough. Like, that was it. That's right. what we're doing for a freaking pretzel. And uh, and we waited like 20 minutes for it. So, whatever. Um, so, anyway, 
while we were waiting in line, I looked over and I was like, you know what I've never had at the State Fair? A Scotch egg. Oh. I know. Fantastic. Well, but I love Scotch eggs, okay, right? But I've never had, but there are bad Scotch eggs. Let's be clear sure. on this. There are horribly done Scotch eggs. And so I kind of guess I always think it's not a, I'm not there. It's not a bar snack. So I said, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to go get one and stand in line with you, and then we're going to do it. So Scotch egg was my new food of the day, and it was delicious. Oh, nice. I loved it. It was perfectly done. It was maybe a little overdone in the middle, but you know what? In that kind of thing, I knew. You know what I mean? Like, you're Did you have a Blue fair. Ribbon coupon? They don't, they don't have coupons there. Darn it. I know. But they, uh, but they did. Uh, but, I mean, I was waiting in line. It was 8 bucks. It's a big old scotch egg. They can cut it. They said, do you want me to cut it in half? And since I was sharing with Jake, I said, yeah. So we cut it in half. I put some sriracha on the side. Yum. And that was his first ever scotch egg, too, by the oh, way. Oh, nice. He's never had one. And he was like, this is really good. I'm like, it's kind of everything you love. Sausage, eggs, and fried. So Okay, mine is going to be kind of disappointing. <laughs> okay, what's your new food? <laughs> well, the place was cute and fun. I wanted to try a new place, so I went to the Lunchbox. Oh, the cute which little, is a like, diner. Yeah, yeah, it's been around since the 1960s. Yeah. And we sat down, and I was kind of panic ordering because I was like, ooh, I don't know what to get. I got a grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you what? But it was fantastic. Good. It was on Texas toast. Okay. And it was perfectly griddled, and it, I believe had a delicious slice of Velveeta in the middle because it was very ooey gooey. That's good. And it was delicious, but it was just a grilled cheese with a pickle. And I, I got done eating it, and it was great. But How I much thought, was it? Six bucks. Okay. And uh, I thought, oh, Stephanie might be disappointed no, in my No, but you know pick. what the lunchbox is kind of known for? Being where you feed your kids. Because they have a kid's meal yeah. and a kid's breakfast that was six bucks. Yeah, so that's kind of, I think a lot of people go to the lunchbox for kids stuff. So that's fine. That's yeah. good. We had a good time. Oh, funny. I think we have to go, I think one of the days we have to head up to the Swedish, uh, to where the Swedish egg coffee is. Oh, yeah. And do a record there. For sure. Yeah. Swedish egg coffee. I love it. I know. That's kind of good. To, okay, what's your second? What's okay. your pick? Or no, was that your pick? My pick was the scotch egg, which was my new thing. I don't know where we are. Okay, so my pick is going to be, I am going to go to the pizza wagon and get the $2.50 piece of pizza because I do it every year and it tastes good and sometimes you just want a slice of pizza. It's and like bar food. The bargain food. book is like you can get, I think you can get like two for two fifty. Okay, perfect. I'm maybe there. Maybe we should do that. I'm doing the I'm pizza wagon. Like, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do that. All right, my second pick my uh, is going to be uh, a pina colada at Manny's Tortas because I haven't oh, had one yet. I had a couple sips of that yesterday. Yeah. And it was quite delicious. Let me that tell is you guys, so refreshing. I have to. I I ventured into the food building on a Saturday, and which usually goes against all I all the things I believe in. I've been there. We had Peter's Wiener the other day. Uh, Sarah's Tipsy Pie has yeah, the no, Irish I'm not, tart. It's great. I'm just saying on a Saturday yeah. at was peak attendance, that is one of the things that is really hard to do. So I did not do it. But I did it, and I kind of regretted it because I went to go see two people I wanted to see, and they neither of them were there. And then I was like, dang it. Darn it. Okay, I do have to talk about one other thing that happened Please. yesterday. So uh, I was kind of celebrating farming and growing and everything else, so I went to the Ag Hort building to look at the big, uh, you know, like the prize-winning pumpkins and the biggest squash and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I know that they're not 4-H. I mentioned on my Instagram that it was a 4-H moment. I just meant that I was celebrating growing because sure. it was 4-H day. So 
I went to there and I walked in and I was like, oh, beautiful pumpkins and, you know, everything else. I was taking pictures. I got caught behind this little pack of people. And uh, this woman, she was, it was, she was, they were looking at the things and there's a big yellow sign like all along the place that says, do not touch the display. It even says, please do not touch the display. (laughs) It even says, please do not underlined touch the display. This woman walked through and touched everything. Like she was like, she had her hand on every single vegetable and I was starting to feel real (laughs) panic. Because I was like, you can, you're not supposed to be doing that. And I was just sort of like, I mean, I know it's and not a big deal. And there she goes again to and touch it. I was like, maybe she just needed to touch the zucchinis. No, no she's she touching, touched the carrots. She's really touching. She touched the peppers. What is up? She had to put her hand on everything. It was almost as if she had to flout the sign. <laughs> and she was flying a huge finger she flag. She was a floatist. She was a floatist. And so then the worst thing happened of all, she picked up no, a cucumber. she didn't. Do you not guys, touch the cukes. She picked it up, and I was like, I, I, did I had, you say anything? I did the most Minnesota thing ever. I said nothing. Oh, <laughs> and I then would have I been left, like, don't you see and the sign? I told sign? everybody. <laughs> no, the Minnesota thing is to be angry about it and, and then never say a Got thing. Got it. Got it. Except for when you tell the thousands of people on your Instagram or your podcast. Except you didn't have a picture of her, did you? I did. Didn't but you not see my Instagram? I did, but I just remember seeing her hand. I did. You didn't see her face. Well, I cut her face out because okay, I'm not. Okay, that's what I meant because oh. you're polite like that. Well, I'm also, yeah. I, I don't am, like I'm, it when, it's fine to like call people out on stuff, but I don't like it when you can see their face and they're identifiable. Oh, yeah, no. No okay. one will be able to know who she is. Just her hands. Yeah. Her greedy well, little like floating hands. Face, but still, <laughs> right. No, the whole point is that, the whole point is that I basically, Yeah. I told all my friends. Instead I like of, it. Instead of just saying in the moment, well, then also, like, what am I supposed to say? You're not supposed to touch that. Yes, you do. Yes. Someone yelled at me yesterday. There was an ambulance behind me, and it didn't have the light on, but it was coming through the crowd. Yeah. And I said to my person I was walking with, hey, we'll just follow along behind the ambulance because they'll get through the crowds faster. And some totally random woman, I'm literally walking next to the ambulance at this point because... It's, it, I couldn't keep up, and it was a huge crowd. This woman, like, stops me, and she goes, do you see the ambulance trying to get through? I'm like, I'm sorry, Mom. Did, did I miss something here? I don't know you. Stop talking to me. And I, I said it out loud. Somebody, I said it out loud. Did you say stop talking to me? I said, stop, I said I, I'm sorry. Are you my mom? Stop talking to me. And I just kept going. I, I don't, I, and I was, like, aghast that I said anything to her. But That's I was amazing. Like, we have a special thing where we might be a little crispy right now, so oh, that is. Oh, and I just was like, um, I'm sorry, the ambulance. I'm not impeding its way. I no. see it. I've been walking with it for ten minutes now. I get it. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah. Like, why you? She had to like stop, like stop me of all like just what? But it was something that it probably, and I'm just saying, it's probably one of the things that either she has a relative who drives an ambulance, maybe, or she has had an experience at which. Someone has impeded the ambulance and it has cost her something. And that's fine. That is her new morality. I was nice, but I just was like, I'm sorry. Are you no. my mom? Are you my mom? I'm sorry. My mom is dead. That's terrible. Yeah, exactly. My mom's been dead for 11 years. I don't remember what it's like to be shamed by someone who's mom acting. Right. That's All right. amazing. There you go. Those are our two stories for the day. <sighs> Good luck, everybody. Every day we'll be out here with more Podcast on a Stick. Also, if you are coming out today, do come out and check out the Minnesota Cook stage because it is happening today in the Dan Patch Park, and it is a lot of food and a lot of farmers. It's chefs and farmers making dishes. We're going to talk a lot about 
the future of sustainability. We're going to talk about how food impacts you know, the economy, all sorts of great things. It's out all day at Dan Patch Park.